0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kallstrup and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all have a good day today? I mean, you know, when it's not 116 degrees, you've got to get happy, okay? That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. And you reduce the humidity by a significant amount. There's joy. Yes. All right? Hallelujah. I mean to tell you. You like the fall weather? Yes. You like what's coming after that? No. Oh. <laughs> You know, I could kind of anticipate that response or that answer, but uh, you know what? I mean, there's something about seasons. Amen. You know, and here's the good thing about it. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I was always concerned that if that sun goes out, we got a problem. You know how it is. You know, I mean, you have all these little weird idiosyncrasies, I guess you'd say. And so as a young boy, I was just thinking, man, if that sun goes out, I mean, how in the world can that thing keep burning? You know, at what point You know, I mean, is it getting smaller? I mean, you know, are you with me here? Come on, help me. So anyway, thank God I found when I got saved, I found in the Word of God, it says, as long as the earth remains, there will be, hallelujah, (laughs) you know, uh, seed time and harvest, winter, summer, and all the rest of it. Glory to God. And uh, so he'll take care of it, I guess, is the main point. You don't have to worry about that. Aren't you glad you don't have to worry about it? Maybe you weren't worried about it anyway. So... Hey, uh, Patty, do you have a uh, anniversary? Did you just have one? Yesterday. Yesterday. Well, let's give her a hand. Happy anniversary. Amen. That's awesome. How many years? 31. Hallelujah. 31 glorious years. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Why don't you all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles or your device, whatever it is that you might be using, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you can find that opening in your Bibles. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the living Word of God? Hallelujah. The entrance of His Word gives light and illumination. Hallelujah. Lightens our path and shows us, praise God, the way to go. Amen. How many of you got up in the night sometime and maybe stumped your toe on something? Have any of you ever done that? That is not a pleasant experience, is it? Well, a lot of times, you know, you're kind of disoriented, don't know where you're at, maybe half asleep or whatever the case might be, and sure don't want to turn on a light. But you know, when you have light, you can see. And uh, thank God the Word of God is a light to our path. Aren't you glad for that? So let's pray together, and we'll get into what I want to share with you this evening. Father, thank you for this time we have together to break the bread of life, to look into the perfect law of liberty. We thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so, Father, for these few moments, I just want to thank you for helping us, giving us utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, for ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe. I thank you, Lord, for the illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings fresh revelation, insight, understanding, renewing our minds to the Word of God so that, Father, we can do those things that you've asked us to do. And with them come not only reward, but predictable results and blessing in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Notice with me, if you would, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. It says, we having, the Apostle Paul said here, we having the same spirit of faith. Everybody say, thank God for faith. Yeah, amen. We having, not going to get, but thank God we have it. The Bible says that if you're born of the Spirit of God, you have been dealt the measure of faith or a measure of faith. And that faith can grow, it can develop, it can become strong. Hallelujah. And so notice here again, he says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing, everybody say knowing. Knowing. See, praise God, when you got faith, you know something. You're not wondering about it. You're not hoping about it, but you know something. Notice he goes on then. Notice he says, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Hallelujah. We got something to look forward to. Amen. I mean, there's resurrection coming, baby, hallelujah, and we're involved, we're, we're a part of that. It goes on then to say, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundance, the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound into the glory of God. In other words, what he's saying is, is when you and I experience the grace of God and salvation, and we are born of the Spirit of God, it automatically brings thanksgiving, Amen. And that thanksgiving redounds to the glory of God as we praise Him, as we thank Him, as we rejoice. Hallelujah. It gives God glory. So He goes on to say, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perishes, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. And our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more at exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, let's just stop right there. I'll just, you know, this is a little sidebar. Verse 17, notice it says, for our light affliction or our momentary difficulties or challenges. It says, which are but for a moment or are momentary. OK, in other words, I think it comes from the word Greek word. I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's like, you know, uh, the atom, you know, so small, brief, just as a little bit of time, you know. So he's saying here, he says, uh, um, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. So what it's talking about is your lifetime. For our light affliction, that which we have to experience in this life, because we, you know, because we live in this world, but we're not of it. And thank God we've been redeemed from the curse, but the curse is in this earth. And so we, there's stuff. How many of you know there's stuff that you have to deal with? But our light affliction, which is but for a moment or only momentary, is working within us. See, in other words, when you when you obey God in the midst of adversity, when you decide you're going to follow Him no matter what's going on, when you say, praise God, I'm going to do what it is God wants me to do, you know, that always brings us up against hardship, difficulty, afflictions as it describes here. But thank God when you do that, it's only momentary and I'm telling you, it is working in you for more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal, temporary, subject to change. Can you say amen? amen. But the things which are not seen, it concludes by saying, is eternal. Hallelujah. Now I want to talk to you this evening about, you know, well, Notice in the scripture it says here, having the same spirit of faith. You know, not everybody's got faith. How many of you know that? The reality is a lot of folk don't have faith. As a matter of fact, probably one of the most challenging things that God has to work with or deal with where people's lives are concerned is doubt and unbelief. You know, you take Thomas, for example. You know, unless I can see the print of the nails in his hands and see, you know, where it is that they pierced his side, I am not going to believe. Well, eight days later, Jesus walked through a wall and said, what do you think now? (laughs) Huh? Wow. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine what that moment was. Well, he said... You know, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. How many believers do I have in here tonight? Oh, yeah, I knew you'd get your hand up for that one. Hallelujah. You don't want to miss out on that. So it says here, having the same spirit of faith. Hallelujah. I thank God for the word of faith. I thank God for people that want to believe God, that obey God, that do the will of God. Ah, Tell you what, man, there's nothing better than to be within that kind of company. But if you're in where a bunch of sourpuss type people are just, you know, always complaining and griping and, you know, they don't like this and they don't like that and they don't know why God doesn't do that. You don't want to be there. I said you do not want to be there. Hallelujah. I want to be around somebody that's believing God. Uh, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we having the same spirit of faith. The spirit of faith believes something. Uh, And of course, in the context of what we're talking about here is they believe the word of God. A person that has the spirit of faith believes the Bible. And so tonight I want to talk to you about, you know, taking God at his word. A great example of that is Caleb. I mean to tell you, glory to God, this guy just gets me excited. You know, I mean, he was within a whole company of people. You know, there are twelve spies that got sent out. He and Joshua were two of the twelve that went out there. And and the Bible says that those other ten guys made the heart of the all the people and nation of Israel melt because they said, Oh no, we can't do this. We can't I mean, if you're running around with somebody that's always telling you that you can't do something, you need to go find some new friends. Yeah, right. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. And so Caleb was just one of those folk, hallelujah. And you know, in in the testimony that God gave of, of Caleb, he said, because he has another spirit with him or about him. And I believe that was the spirit of faith, hallelujah. You know, some translations say he had a different attitude or because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Well, you know, the only way you can do that is, is if you take God at his word and you believe that what it is that he has said is true. And that you realize that in this life, in this world in which we're living, just as we read in this scripture, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change, and the things that are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. So when we find the word of God, when we discover the promises of God, I'm telling you, you have every right to stand on the word of the living God because he watches over his word to perform it are you listening to me so they had a he had a different spirit he followed God fully another translation says he followed me wholeheartedly he said let us go up at once he's seen the same thing that everybody else did but he said we are well able He wasn't saying that in his own strength. He knew everything that everybody else knew. But he also knew that God said, I have given you the land. So he just said, let's get after it. Huh? So you don't want to be like the folk that are sitting around going, well, it don't look like it's going to work to me. Because I'll tell you this much about it. You'll be parked in the same place you are. And nothing else will go on in your life. And all you'll have is problem. So taking God at his word. People who believe God. People who believe his word, what it is that he has said, they, they, they have their lives changed forever. Many of you that are here tonight, you know, you chose to believe the word of God, and I mean, it brought change. Hallelujah. You're not the same person for sure. But, you know, people that don't believe God, well, they just miss out. I said they miss out. You know, on what could be. Think about it. You know, it doesn't go well for them. The nation of Israel is a great example. Before it was over with, God said, okay, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth, and you're going to die in this wilderness just like you said. He, they were stubborn, the Bible says. Define them as stiff-necked people. They, they, they limited the Holy One of God. And, and also we find they could not enter in because of unbelief. But I'm telling you, when you got the spirit of faith, now Joshua and Caleb, when it was all over with and the generation died, they were the only two old fogies that were left, and they went on in. And you know, it's interesting because they went through this whole thing where each tribe helped the other tribe take possession of their lands. And they got all done with it, and they got down to the last one. It was Caleb. I mean, you know, here's the old statesman. He should have been the first one to get his land. But he said, You and I, Joshua, were together when we were forty five years old, and I brought them people word as was in my heart, and now I want you to give me that mountain, the the thing that belongs to me, my inheritance. I want it now. And you know what? That's where the sons, the, the giants were. Hallelujah. And Joshua said, go and be blessed, and praise God, he went after it. Can you say amen? See, there are things that belong to us as children of God, but you've got to have a spirit of faith. And the way that you do that is you decide, I'm going to take God at his word where my life is concerned. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to make the changes that I have to make. Glory to God. You know, so, <clears throat> you know, it Again, Israel is such a great example because, you know, he gave that land to them. He, listen to this scripture. And the Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Send out men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel. I've given it to them. I'm giving it to them. It's theirs. Now, let me ask you this question. Did they possess it? No, but he said, it's yours, go get it. Huh? And they said, oh no, we can't do that, I can't change my life, I can't do better, I can't this, I can't that, I can't, and you, you end up going without. God said, I know the plans I have for you, they're to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, and give you a future, but you know, somebody needs to get a stick of dynamite out and light it and put it underneath you. Hallelujah. That might not be a good analogy, but you get the point. Well, we can't do that. We can't do this. You know, if we would have listened to that, this church would not exist today because everyone was telling us that we would never make it. Everyone was telling us that we were a cult. Everyone was telling us that you will never make it. But blessed be God, 45 years later, here we are. Are you listening to me? So there's always going to be the naysayers in our lives, but thank God we don't have to listen to them. He said, I, which I give to the children of Israel. And then um, uh, if you go on reading in the story, well, let's, let's put it this way. This is on the front end. He says, I give it to them. And then they went through this whole thing, you know, with the spies, and they came back and brought an evil report. And pretty soon, you know, everybody was, and, and then they ended up dying in the wilderness, they never entered in. They never possessed. They, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't willing to take God at his word. I have given you this land, but you've got to go possess it. There are things that God wants to do in your life. He says, go for it. I have given it. I promise. I will. You know, but you have to go after it. Can you say Amen. And so many times we make the mistake of assuming or being presumptuous that there isn't anything necessarily that we have to do. Oh, yeah, there's a lot you have to do. They had to go in there and kill them giants, man. They had to do something about them walled cities. They had to obey God and go. And thank God they did it. And they, well, the next generation. But, but the scriptures say here. I want you, this is, after, this is in the aftermath of all of this. After they actually had went in and they had possessed the land, all the tribes got their inheritances and, you know, they're there. And this is what uh, Joshua, well, actually the Lord, he, it, Joshua said this. He said, and the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he swore uh, to give their fathers, and they possessed it. And dwelt therein. And the Lord, listen, gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There faileth not aught of any of the good things which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel, all of it came to pass. Everybody say all of it. it. Now, it took them 40 years, which is an unfortunate part, but it didn't have to. In other words, God promised to give them the land. He said, I've given it to you. And unfortunately, there was, you know, people that wouldn't believe what it is that God promised, and they never entered in. But thank God, the next generation learned and said, we're going. And thank God they possess the land. Can you say amen? So the blessing of God comes into our lives when we take God at his word. Believe what it is that he's promised. You know, he's promised us a lot of things about marriage. He's told us what life can be like. If you'll do this, if you'll follow this, if husbands, you'll love your wives as Christ loved the church. And husbands, if you'll respect uh, your, your husbands as you should, then you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you won't. You say, well, that's just... That's just too simple. Well, God's not, you know, complicated, okay? People say, well, you know this and that and that. No, 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 no. No, the Bible is true. Amen. Are you with me? And so you, you have to decide this is what he said and this is what we're going to believe. Can you say amen? All right? So the blessing of God comes into our lives when we take Him at His word or believe what He's promised. The Bible the scriptures tell us in Numbers 23 19, God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Has He said, and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? Now, there's always going to be people who say, well, yeah, I know, you know, you say the Bible is this and that and the other. Well, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, I don't know what you did, but it wasn't right, and it certainly wasn't God's problem. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Because I believe this scripture. He can't lie. If he said he would do it, he's going to bring it to pass. Another scripture in Jeremiah, um, chapter 1 and 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, well, I see a rod or a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to him, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, the interesting thing about an almond tree is that in the spring, when, the, when everything begins to blossom and blood, it's the first tree that starts to, you know, everything else looks dead, dormant. And that's what he was saying. You know, a lot of times in our lives, it doesn't look like things are going the direction that they need to. But listen, he's going to hasten or watch over his word to perform it in your life. He's going to bring it to pass. Why? Because we believe the word of God. And we're going to keep doing what it is he asked us to do. I said, we're going to keep. I got one amen. We're going to keep doing what it is he asked us to do. Amen. Amen. Here's another one, Isaiah 55 and verse 10. For as the rain comes down the snow from heaven and returns not thither but waters the earth makes it to bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please and it is going to prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. He said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God sent his word to you. Somebody came and pitched you the gospel and you decided that you were going to believe it and you called on the name of the Lord and you got saved. He sent his word and brought deliverance into your life. And the same thing's true with every aspect of our life. If we got a problem here, problem there, a problem wherever, hallelujah. Thank God there's a living word that can bring about a change. Come on now, I'm doing better preaching than some of you are doing amen. I don't know, did you have pasta for supper? What's going on here? Hallelujah, glory to God. God brings his word to pass. At, now listen to this. God brings his word to pass as a matter of process. He So often Jesus said, well, What shall we like in the kingdom of God? What comparison can we compare it to? He says, well, it's like a little grain of mustard seed. It doesn't amount to much. But when that thing gets to going before it's over with, man, I mean, the fowl of the air make lodging in it. Why are you listening to me? So you can't ever despise the day of small beginnings. And you can't say that God's not going to do something significant in your life. Because, listen, you guys, you are, whether you believe it or not, children of promise. You're a child of promise. There's destiny on your life. There's things that God wants to do for you. Hallelujah. He wants to bring you out. He wants to lift you up. Hallelujah. This model we have of Israel, when he came down, you know, to, to lift them out of their mess, out of their slavery. Come on now. So you got to be a believer. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard that once or twice, you know, and I'm not. Come on. Are you listening to me? Yep. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it, there's a process that's taking place, amen. I mean, I say it all the time, the best is yet to come. Why? Because it is, you know, up, up, up where God is taking us. But here's the problem in a lot of people's lives, and that is simply this. It generally never happens within the time frame that we think it should. Am I in the right house? Huh? If you want God's blessing in your life, you have to be faithful to what it is that he said and trust in what it is that he said he would do I don't have time to unpack the whole thing but read uh, when when God approached uh, Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis and again we won't take time to go there but he just said he came to Abraham and he said get out from amongst your own countrymen And go where it is that I tell you, and I will show you a land, and I will give it to you, and great nations from, and in you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, he had to take... What, he, what God just said to him, he had to take him at his word. There was no guarantee. The Bible says he went out not knowing really where he was going, but he was following God. He was obeying God. There's stuff that God is doing in our lives right now that is a preparation for the next thing that he's going to do where your life is concerned. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so Abraham, the Bible says, he obeyed God. He went and did this thing. And there was a lot of stuff that went on. And really, it was 25 years before the promise, you know, of Isaac was ever met. 25 years. You say, I ain't got no 25 years. Listen, you got as long as it takes. And if you die, you're just going to heaven. So why not believe God? Come on. I mean, it's worth a whole lot more that way than for you to whine and, you know, pout and do whatever it is you do while your miserable existence is here until you take your last breath. And then you go to heaven and go, oh, man, could have been so different. Let's trust him. My, yeah, I'm okay. I, I really need to stop wearing this watch. I did not fall. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you got to know and you have to believe that you're a child of promise and that there is destiny on your life because there is. Um, Kathy, no, I don't have it. Okay, never mind. It wouldn't work anyway. I meant to do this before the service. Um, When I got saved, I, I got saved in August of 1975. That's when I gave my heart to Jesus. And so I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm all those things. And in 1977, April of 1977, I have a picture of a check where I was working for a farmer. And the check, it, was, it said in the, in the note, it said 67 hours times $3 an hour equals 201, or whatever the number was. So I worked 67 hours for 300, $201. Oh my huh? And you know what I was doing? I was working in a hog lot. Oh, joy. <laughs> Are you listening to me? But you know what? The Scripture tells us that whatever it is that we do, we're supposed to do it, how? Heartily, as unto the Lord. Yeah. This is not a real prestigious place that I'm in right now, but I'm telling you what, there are lessons that I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I'm doing... Now, nothing to me, but I'm just telling you that that year when I worked for Gary Gouda, he had the... Best average that he had ever had up to that time and ever after that, he was averaging over 10 piglets. Why? Because I prayed for him, man. These sows are going to bring forth abundantly. And so the average was over 10 piglets per litter. And he was just amazed. I said, baby, the king is in the house. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? And there was nothing glorious about scoop and poop. Are you with me? Especially not for three bucks an hour. But you know what? I learned lessons there. And thank God I knew I was not going to stay there either. But I'll tell you this much about it. I put my heart into what it is that I was doing and I made sure I treated those hogs like they were mine. Huh? Huh? And, you know, I'll tell you one thing about it. When you're in a job, working place, or whatever, dude, if you don't learn to do this, you'll never get ahead. I'm telling you. Because these are the kinds of things that develop character within our lives. Hallelujah. And it's important for us to understand that. You know, here's a scripture. How many of you know what Philippians 10, 19 says? Anybody know? Come on, read. Surely you can pull a rabbit out of your hat. But my God shall supply all your need according to what? Woo, let's get excited. It's in the Bible. Come on now. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I believe that. Amen? But you got to know that it ain't going to happen just because you're sitting around on your blessed assurance looking for it to come out of the sky. Thanks for your enthusiasm. And this is an important, I mean, this thing that I'm talking, we're talking about taking God at his word. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, this is so important what I'm about to share with you when it comes to our lives. See, the mistake that we make is that we presume or we assume that God is going to do something according to our way of thinking. Like, for example, you know, uh, Pastor Scott was up here on Sunday morning and talked about the tithe. You know, bring your tithes into the storehouse so there's meat in the house. Improve me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I'll not pour out a blessing upon you that you're not able to contain. Now, here's the, the fallacy that often happens within the body of Christ, especially amongst, you know, charismatic word churches, people will say, well, you know, this is what the Bible says, you know, bring your tithes, pay your tithes, you'll be blessed. Well, let me ask you a question. How are you going to be blessed? See, the assumption is all I have to do is pay my tithe, and now God is obligated to just rain her down from someplace. No, he's going to bless the work of your hands. That's where the blessing comes. See, in other words, you're not done just because you obey God and died. (laughs) I knew that I would get, you know, absolute, you know, roaring applause out of that deal. No, but what it does, and he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, and I will command my blessing on your storehouses. So now I'm in a place, and I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have stood on that scripture and said, Lord, you said that you would rebuke the devourer. I mean, when stuff comes, huh, come on. But see, I got to be about it. And when I'm about it, then God is going to take up and make up the difference. And he'll see to it, praise God, that we're blessed. People, you know, and, and, and I got mixed up. Man, I mean, I love Jesus with all my heart, and I got mixed up with, you know, in my theology. I thought, you know, well, if you just do this and that, like tithe, then you don't have to work. Well, listen, the Bible says if you don't work, you're not going to eat. Huh? So there's another side to that. If you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. I mean, I'm sorry, but dude, you've got to work. And all this, all this stuff that's being pitched right now, you don't have to work, you're a victim, I mean people owe you, we need reparation, we need the government to do this, it is junk. It's absolutely the doctrine of devils and it is going to destroy and is destroying people's lives. You don't work, you're not gonna eat. Now I don't know, you know how this is all gonna shake out but dude it is not gonna be pretty. Are you with me? For the person who doesn't believe God. Now, for the person who does, we're in good shape. Can you say amen? amen. You know? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 2.7, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all, in all the work of your hand. Is that up there? Yes. Notice what it goes on to say. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord has been with you, and you haven't lacked anything. Hallelujah. You know, they, they were getting manna from heaven. Supernaturally, God was providing for them in that moment of need, and God can do that. When the need exists, He'll take care of you. Huh? Isaiah, or, uh, yeah, Isaiah, you know, He's out there in the middle of nowhere, bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh, ravens are, you know, bringing it to Him. But you know, when the nation of Israel crossed Jordan, they moved into that land. The day that that happened and they took from that land, the manna stayed. So in other words, it's no longer God having to do the supernatural in order to supply. Now it is, I'm going to bless the work of your hand. Do you get that? Yeah. And so it's important for us to understand, you know, that God is going to do it. Now, if we had time, and I don't, you can write these down fast if you want to. That was Deuteronomy 2.7. In Deuteronomy 14 29, 16, 15, 24, 29, 28, 12, and 30, verse 9, all of them talk about God blessing the work of your hand. Huh? Now they lived in a you know agrarian or agricultural environment. And so we, we see those examples. And but I'm telling you, wherever it is that you're at, I mean, God's gonna bless the work of your hand. Uh, there's another scripture um, in Proverbs 10:4 that he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. People get all, you know, jazzed up about people who have resource and have money, but, you know, they say, well, you know, they just got it better than we do. How'd they get it? Well, they say, well, they got this inheritance. Well, it won't last long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, when, when, when you work for something, it becomes precious to you. And not only that with it comes blessing in your life. Are you still glad you came? Yeah. We're talking about taking God at his word. I believe that God wants to bless us. I, I believe he wants to prosper us. You mean you mean to tell me I mean even with all the even with all the inflation. You know, when we were young and just first married, you know, we went we dealt with this. We were paying, you know, when it came to to uh, <clears throat> interest rates, when my wife and I first got married, they were 12, 14, 16%. I mean, it was like, wow, how are we going to do this? But you know what? We're still here. The last time I checked, we're all eating pretty good. Huh? You know? And the reality is, is here we are in another circumstance where people that are out of their minds are in places of authority. But they won't, they won't last. I'm telling you, they will not last. Because there is a recompense that's going to come as a result of it. So he who, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Uh, Proverbs 12, 24 says, the hand of the diligent will rule. Yeah. People that are, you know, but the lazy man will be put into forced labor. I don't know about you, but I don't like that idea. Huh? Now sometimes we gotta do stuff we don't wanna do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But we're not gonna stay there because God's got a big plan for each and every one of us. You can take God at his word, but the qualities, listen to me, you can take him at at his word, but the qualities of faithfulness and excellence, come on now, and diligence or hustle has to be, must be employed. (laughs) I'm just going to let that kind of, you know, rest there. You got to be faithful. You got to show up for work. You got to be there. I think it was uh, my son, you know, last week was talking about Deanna's uh, husband Terrell. He was there for, you know, time to open. And he was there usually after it was time to close. That's faithful. He didn't have to do that, but he did it. He did his work, and he was blessed as a result of it. Are you listening to me? You know, <clears throat> that story I was telling you about working in Hoglot, thank God I got delivered from that. Because you stink. You take it everywhere with you, man. You can't even wash that stuff off, you know. Hallelujah. I mean, we ought to stop just have a praise break. Right now, yeah. Pastor Mike is not in that place anymore. Hallelujah. That was in 70, or about April of 77, uh, through that spring and in the winter. Cold, yeah, never mind. Anyway, and then in 78, well, 77, 78, we went to Bible school, and we came back here in May after I graduated first year there, and we came home, and I had two jobs. Everybody say two jobs. Two jobs. You know, I mean,. Um, for one thing, for nine months, we didn't have nothing. And so when I got an opportunity to go to work, baby, I'm going to work. I worked for my brother-in-law from 6 till 2.30, and then I got home about 3 o'clock, and I started painting houses. Why? Because I wanted some substance. I had to feed her. I had to feed my son. I had to take care of stuff. We were getting ready to buy a house. We were going to borrow $40,000. I thought, my God, I'll be, in, I'll be a slave to this forever. You know, because you're, 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 you're small-minded. You know, I just, I remember her dad was helping us with this whole thing. And, and I said, well, how much is it? He says, well, it's about $40,000. I mean, I'm a 22-year-old, maybe 23, I don't know. But I thought, my God, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never get out from underneath this, you know, because I didn't know. How I many of you know we don't know? Well, that wasn't the reason I worked two jobs. I worked two jobs because we had things we needed. Are you with me? Thank God God blessed us. He blessed the what? Work of our hand. And we made a decision. She was going to stay home, raise the kids, and I was going to work. Are you with me? Now, you could do that. I, I know. Well, uh, Lori, uh, Deanna's daughter one, of her daughter, one of her daughters, you know, uh, she married John. And they got married, and they, she was going to be a stay-at-home ma- uh, mom. He was a teacher. You know, most of the time, teachers, you know, their income isn't great. And, but yet, they did it, and they probably sacrificed, and they probably suffered. But it was more important to raise their kids than whatever. It was just a decision they made. I'm not saying that that's what you have to do. But I'm just saying that's the route, that's the direction that they went, and they stuck with it, and they were blessed. And that guy would start selling stuff on eBay, and, I mean, he would sell junk for more money than anybody it was worth. Are you listening to me? So uh, it's important for us to understand these things, but there has to be faithfulness, excellence, and diligence, you know, and, and not only that, I had the two jobs, and then we bought this house, and then we had to work on making it livable. I wish we had a picture. We probably got a picture of this thing. But I mean, when we went out there and looked at it, the grass was this high, weeds everywhere. They had, they had blown insulation into this house, but instead of plugging the, uh, the holes, they took pieces of particle board and just nailed it over the front of them so that the birds would not make a house out of it. I mean, this place was something else. You know, they talk about good bones. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it turned out okay. But I'm telling you what, we had to work. Are you with me? And, And that's an important dynamic where your life is concerned. And then in January, or actually, yeah, January of that next year in 79, we started the church. And I'm working these two jobs. And I'm pastoring the church, you know. You say, well, how do you do that? You just get after it, baby, and don't sleep very much. Huh? You say, well, I like my sleep. Well, don't we all? But you know, the reality is, is that, you know, God wants to bless you, but he's got to have something to bless. Are you still in the same place I was? Hallelujah. Amen. Something happened here. This year I decided to plant a garden. You know, there's a little bit to having a garden. You can plant it, okay? But I mean, you know, you got to take care of it. And when we did this, my wife says, that's great, honey. You go for it. But that garden is your garden. Well, it really wasn't because we were, we were in it together, you know. And, uh, but here's the deal. I had to build a fence so the deer couldn't get to it. Six-foot fence all the way around it. I spent, I went to Menards, I spent like eight, nine hundred dollars for a fence. So the deer wouldn't eat it. Because by golly, I'm gonna have a garden. Well, you know, you gotta weed that garden and you gotta tend that garden. You gotta do this, you gotta, you know, hang stuff up, you gotta make sure you know the vines are going the right direction, you got all these things you're supposed to be doing. But you know, pretty soon here comes the cucumbers, then here comes the tomatoes. And here comes this and that and the other. Now, you can, I could sit on my deck and say, Wow, look at that. It's growing. But how many of you know you got to go pick them? And you got to do something with them. And that's where she came in. We got the cucumbers, and pretty soon she's making these sweet pickles. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, when the snowballs are flying, I'm going to be in my kitchen, baby, and the heat's going to be on. I'm going to pop one of them open and go, Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. Because she put it up. Huh? She went to the work. She did what it is. And then here comes the tomatoes, and she's got we got juice and we got tomatoes. I'm going to be having chili in the winter time when the snowballs are flying, and I'm going to smile when I see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you with me? And we got salsa. Yes, yeah, easy. you know we got it all. You know, I mean we. I mean it's. And I think I don't know. She put up like a hundred. Well, probably wasn't, at least a hundred seventy-five for sure. <laughs> And then Colorado peaches came, you know? There ain't no better than Colorado, but baby, you got to strike while the iron's hot. In other words, when they're on, you better be on. So we bought two lugs of them. And now we have, I mean, I feel like a squirrel, man. I'm just, you know, storing all this stuff up and we got a stack of peach cream pie in our freezer and no, you're not invited, you know? And I'm telling you what, it's gonna be good. And when, this, and when the corn came on, you know, people say corn's ready. So what do we do? We go out there, and we pick 150, 200 years of corn, and, we start, and she starts sawing it all off. I had the easy job. I just had to go get it. She's the one that had to do that. God blesses the work of your what? Yes. Your hand. Amen, amen. Your hand. And this winter, when we get all together, and I got potatoes, you know, and then somebody invited me to go to the raspberry patch. Well, you know, those things are a little prickly and thorny and whatever, but hey, there's fruit there. Huh? And so she, you know, I brought them home. I said, here you go, baby. And she made red raspberry jam. No, you can't have any. Okay? Well, I wouldn't say that. If if all the stars lined up and you happened to be there, I might share it. Okay? (laughs) So what am I saying? I'm just saying, man, dude, you, you know, you can long for whatever it is that you think you want. But I'm telling you, until you get after it, it ain't going to happen. Am I in the right house? You say, yeah, but you got time. You got this. You got that. I know. Maybe that's right. But I'm telling you this much about it. Praise God. You got 168 hours, too, every week. Thanks for your excitement. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where was I? Is it really 754? Okay, I got six minutes to finish. Here's a scripture. Jesus made this statement in chapter 16. How many of you glad you came tonight? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I got to tell you guys. I mean, God wants to bless you. I don't care what the economy is doing. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care. Listen, if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost. He told Jacob, he says, don't leave. See, here's the thing. Abraham, he said, Go down into Egypt. And so, so then you get third generation, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob's in the land, and there's, there's a famine. And he's thinking, maybe I need to hit the road like Grandpa did. And God spoke to him and said, no, don't leave. Stay there. I'll bless you in the land. And so the Bible says that he sowed and reaped a hundredfold in the middle of a famine. So if you want to look at whatever it is that's going on in the world right now as a family, you can just say, hey, I don't care. I'm going to listen to the Holy Ghost, and He's going to lead me where I need to go. Are you listening to me? Amen. Because He will. He'll take care of His own. How many of you know He loves you? Amen. And we'll be smart about it, and God will get the glory. Amen. So this scripture in Luke 16, says this, Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, talking about money, who will commit to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, you got people, you know, they work for different businesses and different things like that, and they're bad-mouthing the company, they're bad-mouthing their boss, they're talking ugly about this. Dude, you are never going to get ahead that way. If you disparagingly speak and you're talking ugly all the time about it, you're never going to get ahead. Yeah, I'm in this dead-end job. Well, you know, maybe you're learning at least I don't want to stay here. But you need to be faithful where you are. You know, are you with me? You know, (laughs) taking care of Gary Gouda's pigs was not my idea of fun. But by golly, I did it. Amen. And we had a great average, and he got a great yield, and he made a lot of money. Amen. I made $201 for 67 hours. Just remember that. Hallelujah. But, but here's the thing, you guys. You've got to realize this because people assume things that aren't always true. Well, you know, again, if I just give, you know, my tithe, then God's going to rain it down from me. He were, he's going to rain it down. But you're not done just because you gave the tithe. I'm sorry. Look at David. This guy, talk about a a person, a promise, or a person of destiny. Here he is. Now, you could look at his life and you could say, dude, he ain't got a snowball's chance and you know where ever getting ahead. He was number eight on the line of kids, the last one. And where was he? Out in the back 40 Taking care of sheep. Remember when he came and talked to his older brothers when they were at war? He said, go back to all them little sheep you got going back there. You know, just just hit the road. But here's something that's going on in a hidden place with this kid that nobody knows anything about. He is stewarding the responsibility that his father had given to him to take care of them sheep. He could have sat there and said, you know what? I don't care. This is a dead end. I ain't going nowhere anyway. And when the bear or the lion showed up, he said, take all you want. I ain't going after you. Have at it. Feast, baby. No, he didn't do that. He, he looked upon the responsibility and the job that he had as his own. And he went after them and he killed them so that they would not steal from what it is that belonged to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I got to believe that that's a character growing issue going on right there. So that when Goliath showed up, he said, not a problem. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they said, well, you can't go against him. You're just a kid. He said, listen, I was out there and I did this and I did this. And that guy is going to be just like him. Come on now. But he started in obscurity. You know, Joseph, think, think about Joseph. You know, he has these dreams. And what does his brother, He's again, he's the eighth one in the line. And, and what's his brother, they sell him. They wanted to kill him. One of them said, no, let's not do that, man. Let's make some money off of him. Throw him in that pit. And when somebody comes along, we'll sell him. And they did. Now, you, I mean, you could get bitter in a hurry. Huh? Your own family members sold you. So, so they haul him off. To Egypt, no hope, no chance, no nothing. He's going to be a slave. But you know what? That's not what Joseph thought. That guy got down there, and he ended up in Potiphar's house, and he said, you know what? This place is a mess. Let's get this cleaned up. And he started doing this and that, and the other Potiphar started to notice him, knew that God's hand was on. I mean, he recognized, this guy's got something going on. And he's, and he's not going, well, you know, as long as Potiphar's watching, then I'll probably try to do my thing like I should. No, he was doing it. You know, Potiphar probably came by and said, wow, what, uh, who did this? Well, that was Joseph. You mean to tell me he cleaned all this up, straightened all this up, and did this and that and the other? You know, Wow. I need to talk to him. And he started giving him more and more responsibility to which Joseph took. And he was faithful to. And God began to prosper him. And the Bible says he was a successful man. So, you know, here he is. He's on the rise. And then, you know, Potiphar's wife decides she wanted to, you know, assault him, basically. You know, and sexually assault him. And he gets the blame for it. And he ends up in prison. Now, you want to get, I mean, you talk about an opportunity to get bitter, but he no, he didn't do that. He ended up in the prison. He said, you know what? This place looks like a pigsty. Let's get this thing cleaned up. And he started doing this and that and the other. Pretty soon, the jailer says, hey, Joseph, you you got it going on, man. Uh, Take care of this. He says, I got it. There's something to be said for that. He got better instead of bitter. He was abused. He was misused. You know, here comes the butler and the baker. They show up. And you got, I mean, it's, it's a brilliant, I mean, this whole thing, man, you know, there's a destiny on this guy. He had a dream, but he could have let that dream get flushed down the toilet if he would have allowed his attitude and his heart to go wrong. And sour, listen to me, you've you've experienced hardships, you've dealt with people, you know, you've had things happen to you that, are, that were wrong and all of that, but I'm telling you what, if you stay in a boat and you take God and his word, you will rise to the top. Hallelujah. So the butler, the baker, they show up and they have these dreams, you know. The first one, I think it was a butler. You know, well, there was, there was something going on in, in Potiphar's house. He didn't know, but somebody was, you know, had their hand in the cookie jar. He just didn't know who it was. So they end up in prison with Joseph, and they each have this dream. So the butler, you know, he tells Joseph the dream. He says, well, here's the deal. You know, in three days, you're going to be restored, you know, and everything's going to be okay, and you're going to be fine. Well, you know, the, the baker, he thought, hey, 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 I like that idea. So he says, Here, I had a dream too. He says, Well, in two or three days you're going to the gallows and he's gonna have your head. Huh? He was the bad apple. Are you listening to me? So Joseph says, Hey butler, you know when you get back there, tell him who sent you. You know? What's a butler do? Forgets him. You ever been forgotten? ever been unappreciated? You ever thought nobody cares about what it is that I'm doing? Come on. So Listen, I'm telling you that God sees everything that you're doing and he will reward you and he will bless you. Are you listening to me? Two years, everybody say two years. Two years, two years later, um, Pharaoh has a dream. Butler goes, Hey! I remember there's a guy down there in prison, man, he, he's an interpreter of dreams. And he says, bring him up here. Now, what's interesting about that, think about this in this context, if, if when the butler got back there and said, hey, there's a guy down there that's been mistreated and was this and that and the other and whatever, you know, uh, he, he, he could have probably ended up getting out of prison, but then what? He had no place. You with me? I mean, he would have said, well, okay, you're free. Now what? But two years later, he, you know, uh, what's his name? The Pharaoh has this dream and... uh and uh, the guy says, hey, there's a guy down there in terms of dreams comes in. And here's the thing about it is, is that when Joseph came, you know, they had seven fat cattle. And then there was these lean cattle and the lean cattle were eating the fat cattle. And they had the, you know, ears of corn and they were fat. And, and then there were the lean ones and the lean ones were, you know, whatever. And so he basically, Joseph said, well, here's the deal. You're going to have seven years of incredible abundance here. And then he said, you're going to have seven years of unbelievable abundance. Uh, lack and, and famine. And uh, he said, and I've been in the, uh, 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 what do you call that? The uh, um, distribution business all my life. I've t- I mean, food service is my thing. And this is what you're going to have to do. And here's the math. And this is what will have to be kept and this and that and the other. And we found a way that we can preserve it so that it won't spoil. And if we'll do this, king, then, you know, everything will be fine. The king says, nobody else around here that ever came up with something like that. You're it. And all of a sudden, he's back in the palace. And you know the rest of the story. I was telling uh, I was with somebody today, one of the other uh, people in the church, and uh, we were talking about this story and you remember potiphar 's wife that propositioned him, and he wouldn 't do it. He said, "How can I sin against God and do this great wickedness and and uh, so he ended up in prison. I wonder what it was like when they had their 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 big um, you know annual feast where all of pharaoh 's kings and you know, princes and everybody else was sitting around the table. And, and uh, here's Potiphar. And here's his wife. And right up there at the head of the table is Joseph. I'll guarantee you, man, she was shaking in her boots. Now, we don't have any record of what happened. He probably had enough character to say, well, you know, she's nothing but a sleaze anyway. She's not worth it. But I'm just telling you. You know, he could have taken revenge. Now, again, we don't have any record about what happened. But, you know, when you go from the prison to the palace and you're second only to the man, you're in a pretty good place where you could really wreak some havoc. Huh? But he didn't do that. He did his business. He took care of things. And so when the famine came, sure enough, they had everything that they needed. And that's how his family ended up down there. And away we go. So you can never despise the day of small beginnings, my friend. There are things that you will learn in that place. You won't. You may not be there forever, you know, but the reality is is that there's a place that God wants to take you and he's going to bless you. Can you say amen? You know, that widow woman, I'm trying to quit, but that widow woman, you know, when Elisha, when she said, uh, you know, they're going to sell my sons because I can't pay my debt. and 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 the prophet said, you know, well, what is it to me? But what do you have in your house? She goes, I ain't got nothing but this little cruise of oil. See, you've got something in your life. You maybe just don't know it. Are you with me? And maybe we just need to, you know, there, there's, there's things in our lives that are of intrinsic value. There's skills. I was just talking to Zach, and he was talking about his, his journey, if you want to call it that, and where it is that he's now. And the, and the whole point being is, is, you know, he learned things as he went, you know, and, and maybe he thought at some point, I'm in this dead-end job. and I ain't. No, he's learning something. There's skill sets. There's development. There's things, you know, there's stuff going on. And so he's realizing now in the job that he's in, he's saying, all this stuff I can now use. Woo! Listen, let's take God at his word. Let's believe in what he said. He'll supply all your need, every bit of it. Hallelujah. And he'll see to it, praise God, that you're cared for. Are you with me? He'll bless the word. Believe God for better. Amen. He's not through with you. He's not finished with you. Where it is that you're at may not be the place uh, uh, that's your final destination whatsoever. I'm telling you what, praise God, there are things that are on the inside of you. I'm really prompted to talk to you about your life. And there are things that God has put in you, desires and dreams, and things that he is going to bring to pass. So don't ever short yourself in your own abilities to do what it is because he's going to do something really, really awesome in your life. He certainly is. Be blessed, girl. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, anyway, that's enough. Y'all get enough? All right, let's go home and eat some popcorn and Pepsi. How about that? (laughs) Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me if you would, please? Praise God. Let's just commit this to our hearts. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. And Father, we want to do life the way Jesus would have us to do it. And we want to do it even when no one's watching. Because we know, Father God, that your eyes are on the righteous. And you behold everything that we do. And, Father God, I thank you for your blessing in this house. I thank you for the sure reward that comes in our obedience to you and our uh, diligence to follow your plan and your purpose. Father, I pray for everyone here within the sound of my voice, those watching online, and even, Father, for our whole church family. Let's take a hold of what it is. Father, I pray that men and women will grab hold of what it is that you have promised, what you've said. And Father, realize that the things that are seen are subject to change, but the things that you promised, they are eternal, and you'll bring them to pass. So I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every one of our lives. God, I pray that those that are discouraged in some way or another, you know, if they're in despair, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, we come against that spirit And I thank you, Lord, right now for breaking the power of that. I break the power of discouragement in the life of every person that is here tonight in Jesus' name. And Father God, I thank you for helping us to lift up our eyes. Oh, Lord, help us to be encouraged tonight in what it is that you have said, what it is that you have promised that which you are doing. Hallelujah. And we just thank you for your mercy, goodness, your kindness. Oh, Father, in all of your grace, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go ahead and be seated.